before we start the show today, we've got to tell you about Plexiderm, one of the sponsors of our show. Picture your face in the mirror. Do you see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet? Or those large under eye bags? Now imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. Don't believe it? I didn't either until I tried it. Now I don't have to imagine anymore. I look like me, just a few years younger. Simply put, I'm blown away by the results. So go to triplexiderm.com and use my code VOICES for 50% off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling one 800 685 1292 and mentioning code voices plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee visit triplexiderm.com today and use code voices at checkout that's triplexiderm.com code voices Welcome to Amped Up with Proud Resistor. This is progressive activist Ryan Knight. And I'm Chris Lavoie of The Stephanie Miller Show. And we got a big guest today. Yeah, we do. Our guest is Melanie DeRigo. She is a a candidate for Congress. Uh, Melanie, welcome to Amped Up. Thank you so much. I'm pumped to be here. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, You know, since this is your first time on on the show, why don't you just start out by giving us a, a little bit about your background and why you're running for Congress? Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I'm running. First, I'll tell you just quickly. My district is in New York, and it's um, you know, it's it's geographically quite large, at least by New York standards, uh, encompassing three counties: uh, Queens, Nassau, and Suffolk. And I grew up in Suffolk. I spent eight years living in Queens, and now I've, I'm living in Nassau County with my family. Um, I've spent my career as an allied health professional, so I, I've worked with patients, I've worked with families, I've worked with organizations on building health improvement programs and chronic risk reduction programs. And so clearly healthcare is very important to me. Um, and then after Trump was elected, I, um, you know, I realized that I wasn't doing enough. And so I started stepping up and showing up, um, you know, certainly in, in much greater ways than I was previously. And I became more involved in groups like Moms Demand Action and Planned Parenthood and later the Center for Popular Democracy. Uh, I helped organize the Women's March in Atlanta in 2018. I started helping Democrats get elected. Um, and the more I went down that process and the more I started showing up and listening to different folks, um, you know, all over my district, I realized that if we didn't have representatives representatives in office who actually wanted to represent us, the fight was that much harder. The battles were that much harder. And, you know, I'm fortunate that in some pockets of my district on like the state level, we have some great um, people in place. But my congressman just wasn't doing the job. He wasn't representing me. And the more I learned about him, I realized he wasn't representing our district. And I think, you know, as activists, we, we have to be the change, right? We can't just talk about the change. Um, we absolutely can protest. We absolutely should show up. But, um, you know, particularly when there is, when you're represented as someone, by someone who's in, you know, quote unquote, your same party is a Democrat, then that person should be representing democratic values. And if they're not, you have to step, it's our responsibility, right? To step up and run against them. Absolutely. And well, that's why I'm running. <laughs> I <laughs> Sorry. Love, no, I love that. I mean, that's how democracy works. Right. Uh Like and and democracy, you know, we have we have it in our own party, too. That's the whole point of a primary process. Right. We get to pick who we want to represent us. And, you know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day. Real change in America happens when we have leaders in Congress who put the interests of the people over the interests of the powerful. And that's what drew me to you, because, you know, I follow you on Twitter and I see you out there, you know, knocking on doors and getting out in your community and fighting for things like Medicare for all and a green new deal, um, and, and, and a living wage. And, and I think what's always, I always like to remind people is these policies, these progressive policies are overwhelmingly popular, not just in the democratic party, but in America overall. Right. That's right. And so when we have the majority of our country supports Medicare for all, but we don't have some Democrats in Congress who will fight for it. That's a problem. And that means that we as the people have to put Democrats in there that will fight for our for the people's agenda. 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, my opponent takes millions of dollars in corporate PAC money. And um, that was one of the most surprising things for me was to realize that he is legislating for corporations. You know, he's not legislating for us. He's not legislating for people. And it's why when we look at, you know, Long Island's uh, biggest polluter, right, has polluted our aquifer system. This is our drinking water. This is water we bathe in. Um, he takes money from them. So why, like then I'm like, well, of course, that's why he's not fighting for a Green New Deal, right? That's why he takes money from the fossil fuel industry. And I think we need more public uh, awareness around the influence of corporate money and just exactly how it impacts our day-to-day. Because the reality is, you know, if you're going to get cancer from, you know, a, a water source that is filled with carcinogens, that cancer doesn't care if you're Republican, you're independent, or you're Democrat. And we really need to come together because these are issues that really impact all of us. Yeah, I agree. I think from a, I think you're hitting a, a, an important point from a messaging standpoint. You know, it seems like as progressives, we have more work to do to inform voters about how progressive policies will transform their lives and this country for the better. Right. I, I completely, completely agree. I think that is absolutely true. Um, as you know, probably, you know, better than most, um, we're, the media is just so partisan right now. And, you know, yeah. I am a proud, proud progressive, but it makes it that much harder to break through and, and have conversations with people. And, you know, I spent my career, you know, as I said, building these health improvement programs and very similarly, where you have to meet people where they're at and then build from there. And so, you know, when you're, building in your community or you're trying to break through with a message in your community, build awareness. It's the same thing, you know, whether whoever it is I'm talking to, um, even a lot of Democrats, you know, they tell me, Oh, I don't know about Medicare for all. This really scares me. And when I break it down and I talk to them about it and I explain what it is, they're like, wait, well, that, that sounds pretty good. Actually. That's because it is. <laughs> right. But as someone who is a political analyst myself and, you know, I analyze the mainstream media you know, there's a there's there seems to be a common theme in the corporate media that progressive candidates who are fighting for real change to lift up the working people of this country are labeled as divisive, while mm-hmm. the more moderate candidates who are maintaining the status quo are, are labeled decent. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's intentional, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I would just like to point out, you know, to our listeners that fighting for bold progressive change is always seen as divisive until after it happens and that change transforms our country for the better. Just look throughout history, right? Mm -hmm. The civil rights movement was unpopular. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. the the LGBTQ equality movement was unpopular at first, Mm -hmm. you know? So Mm -hmm. this this movement that the progressives that were fighting here uh, to have a more equitable America and to have policies like Medicare for all and universal childcare and a Green New Deal to save our planet, you know, while they're popular with the people, they're unpopular with corporations and they're (laughs) unpopular with the billionaire class because these Mm -hmm. policies are going to require corporations and billionaires to finally pay their fair share. And they don't want to, you know, they don't want to pay their fair share in taxes for the betterment of society. That's right. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly right. You know, I, I tell a story a lot when I when I'm on the campaign trail, and I talk about fire departments. Right before fire departments were socialized, uh, you had to buy fire insurance, and you had to get you had to pay into the system, and then you would put a plaque outside your building. And um, what would happen is if it because that's how fire departments got paid back then. And if your building was on fire, the fire department would come, and if there was no plaque, guess what would happen? They would turn around and let the building burn. And, you know, before we socialize the fire department and, you know, the way that makes you feel like it's, it seems absolutely absurd. It seems egregious. How would anyone do that? But it's exactly what we're doing to people in America right now, right? So if someone gets cancer, someone has a chronic condition and they don't have health insurance, what do we do as a society? We let them get worse and we let them die, right? And one day our grandkids are going to look at us and they're they're going to have the same feeling you just had when I told you that story mm. about uh, the fire department. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I think a lot of people miss the point on both sides. I think that, you know, what, what the billionaire class and the donor class doesn't want us to, to, to understand is that capitalism and socialism, it's not an either or. It's not, mm. oh, we have capitalism or socialism. It's both. That they Absolutely. can coexist, and they do coexist. If you look in, mm-hmm. if you look at Europe, for instance, ev- that's the difference right now between European uh, democracies and American democ and, and, and our democracy here is mm-hmm. that 
European democracies still have capitalism, but they have a lot more socialism, especially when it comes to medicine. And they all have mm-hmm. a, a national health care program, like a Medicare for all That's or right. a single payer system. What, mm-hmm. In America right now, I have what I would call we have what I would call unfettered capitalism with not enough regulation. And then we have very average to low you know, to poor social programs. And what we need is regulated capitalism and strong social programs. And that's what progressives are fighting for. Strong social programs, a safety net. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with that sentiment more. Um, Kind of shifting gears, I I want to get your thoughts about Super Tuesday. Uh, You Uh know, (laughs) we watched the establishment basically throw the kitchen sink at Sanders with uh, both Buttigieg and Klobuchar dropping out the day before Uh, Mm -hmm. and endorsing Biden to consolidate the more moderate vote. This definitely changed the entire dynamic of the race and led to Biden having a great night. Uh, Yet despite Mm -hmm. all of that, after uh, all the California delegates are finally tallied, Bernie and Biden will essentially be tied. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Biden did very well with black voters and older voters, whereas Mm -hmm. Bernie did very well with uh, Latino voters and younger voters. Uh, But Mm -hmm. what's also clear is that if Bernie is going to win this race and be the Democratic nominee, then he is going to have to expand his base and broaden his coalition. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the old adage that politics is about addition, not subtraction. Uh, My question for you is, how do we bring more people into the progressive movement? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to watch it play out. Um, I think... Listen, I, I think regardless, right, and we've all heard this, vote blue no matter who, and I, I don't think yep. that really plays in a primary. That plays in the general. Exactly. Um, but regardless, we are going to have to come together, whether it is Biden who's the nominee or it is Senator Sanders, because I think either way, there are going to be some some unhappy folks, right? And yep. I think certainly bringing in the right VP pick could be helpful in in mending some fences and and you know building, um, you know whether you know Bernie bring and I, I just I can't see Bernie bringing in a super moderate, but maybe someone with a little more balance, um, you know, would love to see um, a woman on a ticket. I'd love to see a person of color on, on one of the tickets, but I, I think that can be helpful. Um, and I, I really think it's just about, you know, Bernie has a great infrastructure for organizing. We know that, but I think it's about building that and taking it to the next level. Uh, and that goes for both Biden and Bernie. You know, Biden has a lot of name recognition uh, and he's got a history, right? I think there's a lot of folks that look at Biden and they say, oh, well, he's from the Obama years. And there a lot of people in this country are yearning for, um, you know, what we often hear termed as normalcy and that's good for some people, but that's not good for all people in this country. Um, so, you know, I, I think we'll have to see how it plays out, but, um, I think definitely more big organizing and the right VP pick will help expand, um, you know, the electorate in that particular way. And I hope that as we get closer to the end of the primary or, or like even, I guess that would be too late. Like <laughs> right now, really, we need more young people to, to step up and know that their voice matters, know that their voice is powerful. You know, I'm so lucky I get to meet all these young folks, high school students, college students. We have a lot interning on my campaign. And I always tell them that your voice is so powerful. You have no idea the power that your generation holds, but you have to step into it and you have to grab it. And so I hope we see that. Yeah, that's well said. There was when you talk about kind of the return to normalcy, uh, mm-hmm. there was, you know, I, I'm pretty active on Twitter and, and it, I use it to kind of take the thermometer of the uh, electorate and, you know, because mm-hmm. we have more progressive people and we have more centrist and more moderate people on Twitter. But someone tweeted something interesting to me. And it, basically they said that the reason they're supporting Biden is that they just want a, a boring president so that they don't have to pay attention to politics anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And it struck me because isn't that how we got into this mess by not (laughs) by not paying attention to politics? You know, I think the electorate wants to go back to sleep when when there is so much work that we have to do, you know, and and I see, you know, there's like a there's a breakdown right now in our party. It's almost like it's like a class breakdown or a privilege breakdown, because, Mm -hmm. you know, then I heard from someone else underneath that same tweet that was like, well, I don't want a boring president. I want a bold president who's going to mm-hmm. fight 
for Medicare for all because my mm -hmm. life depends on it because I can't mm -hmm. afford my insulin. So, mm -hmm. you know, spare your boring president. I want a bold president who will fight for the people. So, mm -hmm. you know, I do think we're kind of, that's kind of what this primary has been about. It's a debate of, do we want to go back to normal, back to 2016? Or do we want to move this country forward and, and stop right. leaving the people in our country the working people of this country that have been so left behind for so many years now. Right. And I think it's important to remember that, you know, a return to quote unquote normal was not good for a lot of people. Right? Schools were still getting shot up. Uh, black boys were still getting murdered. You know, people still couldn't afford their medicine. The planet is still burning. Right. There are, right. you know, that that's normal. That's quote unquote, that that's the normal that people want to return to. So I loved what you said about, you know, it's a, there is a bit of a privileged element that comes in there. And, you know, I mean, what gives me comfort, I, I don't know if you read the Indivisible book. Um, but I did. You, so, so my, my favorite part of that whole book was when they said, you know, at the heyday of the Tea Party, at the height of its power, there were 600 Tea Party groups, right, that organized. And we saw the impact the Tea Party had on our government. And today, it is probably more actually today than when the book was published. But at the time the book was published, there were 6,000 indivisible groups. And, um, you know, Long Island, which is a good chunk of my district, has um, historically been a little bit more, you know, quote unquote conservative. I, I would be the first woman ever... Um, to represent my district, mm. certainly the first progressive on Long Island. And when I see what has been happening, I've, it, it, it just fills me with so much hope, organizing on every level. So uh, one of my friends who's in her 70s has this um, organization, and she co-sponsors every protest that happens, and she's amazing. And then I see young high school kids coming together and organizing uh, high school students for America, or Democratic high school students for America, and they're organizing. And everything in between. And it's a single issue, it's Democratic issues, and, and people are moving, and they're motivated. This year, I was invited to groups to, to um, petition trainings. <laughs> that's right. so wonky, right? Usually that's the candidate or the party that has to do that. I think it shows a, a real shift, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. But I think you're right. It doesn't just end. And sometimes, particularly as Americans, we want that. We want what we want, and we want it now, right? We want it right away. And, and I definitely think we should push for those things. But I also think it's important sometimes to remember that if we don't get what we want, we can't just throw our hands up and walk away that just means we have to dig in and get in the fight um in, in a much more in a much larger way right we have to uh, fight harder yeah absolutely look there there's there's so much more nuance to politics like i'm a progressive right so I, you know i started out backing elizabeth warren and then mm -hmm. when i realized you know i did a lot of work for her campaign i was a surrogate for almost a year and then mm -hmm. when i realized after new hampshire that like she didn't have a path to the white house you know mm -hmm. as a progressive i you know who fights for change that lifts up you know, disenfranchised people and, and the working people of this country, you know, I, mm -hmm. I knew it was time to get behind the progressive who had a chance to actually win, you mm -hmm. know, the nomination, which was Bernie. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same token, like, I'm not one of those, like, I'm going to fight like hell for my progressive values. and I'm going to fight for, for Bernie in the primary. And then as soon as mm -hmm. the primary is over, I am going to keep fighting, but I'm going to fight for the nominee, right? I'm going to fight for mm -hmm. the Democratic nominee. Mm -hmm. That's just mm -hmm. what we do because we'll have mm -hmm. no progressive change if Donald Trump stays in office, right? Donald Trump Absolutely. doesn't care about, you know, we'll never get the Green New Deal on his desk. We'll never get Medicare right. for all on his desk. So th there needs to be a little bit of, of, of pragmatism to our progressive movement as well. And I think uh, Stephanie Miller makes a point that uh, you know, none of the Democrats who, who were running are going to hurt you. You know, Trump will hurt you. <laughs> right. And so yes. I, I think, you know, that that's a good way to frame it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and I sorry, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I think also, you know, whether it is Senator Sanders presidency or or Biden's presidency, you know, we need a progressive Congress. We need to get more progressive voices mm -hmm. in, right? Because yes. progressives typically they, they don't accept corporate money. Yep. That means they're only beholden to the people of our country. That puts them in a very unique position to be able to create a platform, to have that dialogue, to press their colleagues in ways that representatives who take corporate money cannot do, right? And I think that there's a huge opportunity there to create public awareness and create public pressure. And I think that's what we need to do, um, you know, because it doesn't matter, right? Uh, Senator Sanders won't be able to get these policies passed without a Congress that supports him, and neither will Biden, right? And if Biden, if Biden we have a Congress that supports these policies, Biden will have no choice. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's important that we work together. Absolutely. And, and, and this, 
I couldn't agree more. You know, the other thing is, is, you know, we have to let democracy play out in the primary. You know, there are mm-hmm. some in the more moderate wing who try to kind of stifle and, and silence differing, differing opinions or trying to silence dissent. And that doesn't work either, because what happens is it becomes a pressure cooker, right? That, yes. you know, oh, no, just, you know, I heard someone the other day be like, well, no, it's just time to roll out the red carpet for Biden and coronate him to be the nominee. And I'm like, no, that doesn't work. That we don't coronate people in a democracy. Like right. we we need right. to let this primary play out and mm-hmm. the person with the most votes, right? That's who will be our right. nominee. You know? So like there we see kind of disingenuous arguments on both sides sometimes. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, and I also think we have to stop like talking about the primary like it's over. Like you said, they're they're basically um at a tie and there's a lot of primary left, yes. you know. And 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 unfortunately, you know, the Trump administration has has turned politics into somewhat of a reality TV show. And I think we've seen this play out, you know, since the beginning of the primary, at least sometimes the underdog will just get this huge boost. And it, it scares me a little to, to see the parallels between reality TV and what's playing out in our country. But we have a lot more primary to go. And um, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it's certainly open. And it, I, I really think it's, it's anyone's right now. Yeah, well said. You know, there, there also seems it feels to me like there's some Democrats who are so traumatized by Donald Trump that mm-hmm. it's causing them to overlook the deteriorating material conditions of working Uh people and the Uh deep inequality in our economy that led to Uh Trump's election in the first place. You know, Trump's made the inequality in our economy even worse uh, Uh as income inequality just hit a 50-year high. Uh Uh, But it's so clear to me that the way to beat Trump is with a candidate who has a strong economic message for working people. Not for yes. corporations and billionaires, which is Bernie's, Absolutely. which is Bernie's central message in his campaign. Why Absolutely. aren't more Democratic voters seeing this? You know, I, I think a lot of it is, quite frankly, a PR game. Um, you know, if, if you say things like progressive, Green New Deal, Medicare for all, some people are going to have a very favorable reaction and some people are going to have a negative reaction and they may not even know why. Right. Um, and this is why I talk about meeting people where they're at. I think sometimes people look at Bernie and they say, he's too far left. We've heard that. He's too radical. You press people. What does that mean? They have a very hard time identifying it. And unfortunately, that means, you know, we have to do the hard work of having those individual conversations. And that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, because when people tell me, you know, my boyfriend is more moderate, so we have a very <laughs> exciting household and he'll say things to me like, yeah, Bernie is, you know, he said to me the other day, oh, Bernie's too far left or he's radical. And I'll push back and I'll say, wait, so uh, fighting for a living wage is radical, you know, right. so everyone can ha- in this country can have a living wage to support themselves, uh, fighting for a Green New Deal and a habitable, pl- a habitable planet to leave to future right. generations. That's radical. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I think fighting for guaranteed health care, you know, yep. is radical. You know, here we have a coronavirus coming and, you know, we are we are as healthy as the least insured person around us. I think sometimes rich people forget that because right. we don't. Do you want people that don't have insurance, you know, in public spaces? I mean, not to be really frank, but that's the truth of it. Like, where has our humanity gone? Where is our mm-hmm. compassion when we right. don't even want to fight to guarantee that healthcare is a human right in this country? It's a human right all over Europe. You know, universal mm-hmm. healthcare works there. Why can't mm-hmm. it work here? And it's because well, it of can. the greed of <laughs> the giant insurance companies and big pharma. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, we can argue the opposite, right? It, it, what's radical is making senior citizens ration their insulin. Mm-hmm. What's radical is that we have four and a half million people launching GoFundMes to pay for their health care. Yeah. Thank you. That's radical. Thank you. Yeah, it is. And, and I think like you said earlier in the podcast that the messaging kind of breaks down when we get to the corporate media, because you can just mm-hmm. turn on, I mean, this entire election, it wasn't just Bernie. They don't just have an anti-Bernie bias. I mean, right. a lot of people forget this. Elizabeth Warren, when she was soaring in the polls last year, she mm-hmm. was at like 30%. The attacks on the corporate media, it was right. every day for four months. It was, you know, they were attacking Medicare for all. They were attacking, you know, her policies, which aren't radical. You know, she basically, you know, took the progressive platform and, and made it digestible for you know more moderate voters and still you know warren was attacked on corporate media the Mm -hmm. same way they attack bernie so you know Mm -hmm. i do think that 
you know, we do have to start kind of talking about some of this corporate greed that's influencing voters, but also this corporate media bias and this, you know, it's almost like a pro-centrist bias that favors the more centrist candidates and it makes it harder to fight back. It does. It does. And I, and I, you know, you had kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier and it's something that I talk about and it's, it's not really a popular opinion. People don't like to hear it, but the reality is if we didn't have so many Democrats in office, corporate backed Democrats who were too afraid to, too afraid to fight for people, then I don't think we ever would have had a Donald Trump. Thank you. And, and that is, you know, that is something I say all the time and, you know, it takes people back a little bit, but that's the hard truth. Well, because when we're when we're not fighting, when when Democrats in Congress aren't fighting for a progressive agenda, when they're not fighting Mm -hmm. for our progressive values, when they're Mm -hmm. not fighting for Medicare for all or a Green New Deal there, they end up playing defense and they allow the Republicans to go on offense. Right. Right. And And that's the whole problem right now is that we Mm -hmm. you can't you know, I look at it like a sports analogy. Mm -hmm. Imagine a soccer team and you have one team, which is the Republicans always on offense and they're taking (laughs) shot after shot at the Democrats goal. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats are always stuck playing defense and defending the Republicans Mm -hmm. offense. At Mm -hmm. some point in the game, you got to go on offense yourself and you got to go and attack the Republicans goal. And you got to go try to score a goal on their end of the field. We can't just always play defense. And you know, it's the expression like always bringing a butter knife to a gunfight. You know, Mm -hmm. that's kind Mm -hmm. of what the Democrats have done. And I would argue that the reason Democrats don't fight for more progressive values is because their corporate donors don't want them to. <laughs> right. That's right. And and I think that's, you know, what we're really seeing in the progressive movement right now. And that's what so many of us are fighting against. And it's hard, right? Because then we have to fundraise from people. And, you know, at, at the end of, I don't, we haven't looked through the, the end of year quarter filings, but at the end of quarter three, my opponent had raised $1.75 million mm. and he had six six small donors. Wow. Six. We have over a thousand small donors and we're nowhere near that. <laughs> right. So it, it is, it's, it's a much harder, um, it's a much harder path to victory for us progressives, but I think it's worth it. Right. I think it's worth being in this fight. I think it's worth taking a principled stance because I think the people of this country deserve that, right. We deserve representatives that want to fight for us. And then that's how we push for change. That's how we create real change. Yeah. And I also think it, it, from an electability standpoint, it you know moderates are are convinced that we have to compromise our progressive Ugh. values to win, <laughs> and, and I would argue that no, we have to fight for our values to win. Yes, absolutely. Look, if you start in the middle, you end up to the right every single time, right? Yep. And I think the other really important thing to to remember here is for most working class people incremental change can sometimes mean life or death for them, right? Incremental Mm. change doesn't help the people that need it most, doesn't help them feed their families. It doesn't help them pay for school, doesn't help them put dinner on the table, right? And so we, we have to, you know, some of us look at, you have to, as you said earlier, look, look at our privilege. Some of us are in better places than others, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't be looking out to uplift all of society. Yeah, that's well said. I I also think that you know, it's that we have to give people something to vote for. Yes. Not just give them something to vote against. Yes. Say it again for the cheap seats in the back. One yeah. more time. We have to give people something to vote for. Yes. Not just something to vote against. Right. And, yes. and this is what irks me a little bit as a progressive activist, because I feel like I'm watching 2016 happen all over again because We use this playbook already on Donald Trump, Uh right? Hillary's message, it was mostly an anti-Trump message. Look how bad he is. You know, Uh he he is. He is a misogynist and he is a racist Uh and, you know, Uh he is, uh, you know, he is a sexual predator. All those things, you know, but that wasn't enough to to, to energize enough people against him. And, Uh you know, there's an old expression that the definition of insanity is doing the same <laughs> thing over and over again and expecting right. a different result. Yet here right. we are, and a lot of Democrats mm-hmm. think that running the same playbook as in 2016, you know, another centrist candidate, uh, only this time Biden, will somehow produce a different result. Um, right. Why do and, Dems, and that- but why do they keep going back to the same playbook? Oh, Lord. Well, I think, you know, part of it is the influence of corporate money. I think part of it is the 
overwhelming lack of diversity. Uh, we have a lot of white guys and ties in, in government, right? Mm. And and they're looking at it through their perspective. Mm. And I think, you know, having creating a more diverse Congress, I think will help that. Um, I think the, the old party structures are used to you know, running the same old plays and, and they're very much, you know, certainly I can speak to it on a local level, very much pushing uh, back against any progressives coming into the party scheme. Um, and I think that they're afraid of what it means. Like, let's not forget that, you know, the, the parties raise a lot of money and they raise a lot of money from corporations. They raise a lot of money from big donors. And so this impacts, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, um, they're funding. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't know, I, I, I can't for the life of me figure it out truly because, you know, I've been a Democrat my entire life and I've always believed in the tenets of, um, the democratic party. And now I, I think, you know, we're at a crossroads where we're really, really battling for the soul of our party. Like who are we as a party? Are we the party of the people or are we the party of the corporations? And I think mm. that remains to be seen, but you know, I think Senator Sanders has the best shot of enfranchising and maybe pulling back um, those that feel lost and those that have felt left behind or have been left behind, you know, in this, um, like it or not, Trump's simple messaging uh, scheme worked right? It worked, right? Mm -hmm. He tapped into something for people. People looked at him and they said, yeah, he's crass, but he's not like every other politician that rolls in here promising the world and then never comes back until election day, never delivers for me. I'm still struggling. I can't pay my bills, all of those things, right? And so I think um, if we can succinctly get Bernie's plans in, in those, you know, little digestible messaging frames, I think that people will understand. I think it will speak to people who are struggling because that's what his plans do. His plans uplift everybody. Yeah, that's really well said. You you hit the nail on the head there. I also think, you know, there's there's people who are like, oh, Bernie, he's attacking the Democratic Party. You know, he's he's attacking the Democratic establishment. What I, How I see it is, is that Bernie Sanders is trying to bring the Democratic Party home to yes. our to our progressive FDR roots, mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. what you said about do we want to be the party of, you know of, of 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 big business and of corporations or do we want to be the party of working people? Mm -hmm. Well, we used to be the party of working people. You know, mm -hmm. we used to be the party of labor. You yep. know, we are the party that is on the side of, of working people. But but it feels like we got a little bit too cute, you know. And I think it started. <laughs> it, I think it started in the nineties, you know, and. and and in the Clinton administration, um, you know, going the more Wall Street route, and 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 I just think we need to be on the side of Main Street, not Wall Street. You know, I think we Absolutely. need to be on the side of the people and of of the working people in this country, not on the side of corporations and billionaires. I really do think it's that simple. We need a government Absolutely. that works for everybody, and if mm -hmm. we can do that. I, I, that will bring in young people that will help us mm -hmm. win back working class voters in Michigan, mm -hmm. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. And it will also mm -hmm. help us be the party of the future and the party that right. restores America and that restores right. the middle class of this country. Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't, couldn't have put that better myself. You know, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but like, I'm a mom. I have three children. They're nine, five, and Aww. three. I heard, you I know, heard and, one of them earlier in the podcast. Uh, yeah. I thought, it, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. That's my three-year-old. He just got home from school, so Aww. he's really excited to Aww. see me. Yay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I look at them, and I, I just, like, how can we not fight for them? How could we not push with everything we have, right? So, like, I, to me, the progressive movement is all about progress. That's mm. what we do, and we do it for not only for us, but we do it for our children. We do it for future generations, right? And I think, you know, I talked about a little bit earlier about, like, this the perspectives of folks. And, you know, when you said a lot of older voters went with Biden, yep. now, I don't think they appreciate what's happening right now in our country. You know, when mm. they graduated college, they didn't have hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans. They were right. able to get a job with a living wage that right. enabled them to take care of their family, buy a home, pay their mortgage, probably take a vacation a year. Yep. Right. And that is just not the reality of today. As you know, wages have been stagnant since the 70s. Yep. Young people are graduating with exorbitant debt, like really, you know, giving them no shot at innovation or contributing in larger ways to society. They're getting a salary that someone got, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. 
Um, they're not able to buy homes. They're not able to start our family. We've seen this, right? Statistics show that, that young people are delaying starting families. They're not able to take vacations, right? And, and so I think that perspective is very, very different. You know, this idea of, well, well, they should work harder. I did it. They should do it. Well, the world is not the same, right? Yes. And I think that I think some communication and helping um, build those bridges and understanding the plights of different demographics is important, you know, to, to really forge and come together as we move forward in our future. Yeah, that's really well said. You know, we have these deep systemic issues in our country, you know, Mm -hmm. and if we don't solve them, it's only going to get worse, right? Mm -hmm. America will keep deteriorating unless we fix these big, deep wounds in our country. And these wounds are too big to just fix with a Band-Aid. Like we've Mm got to get in there and really treat them. Big structural change. (laughs) Yeah, big structural change. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. No, so that's really well said. You know, the other thing, I I just thought this was interesting. You know, uh, Biden had a, he he actually gave one of his better speeches. I was like, okay, okay. You know, he he gave Mm -hmm. a pretty good speech the other night. And then he said Mm -hmm. something was so interesting. He goes, you know, this is America. You know, if we come together, there isn't anything that that we can't achieve. You know, anything Mm -hmm. is possible if we fight. And then, like, literally, a few minutes later, he said, Bernie's whole agenda is pie in the sky, you know? <laughs> and, and what I found so interesting is, like, one minute, you know, it's anything is possible, mm-hmm. and then the very next minute, it's no, we can't. And, right. And, right. and so it's two mixed messages. And what I would just say is that, look, a living wage and a, a habitable planet and guaranteed health care that's not pie in the sky ideas. They're actually mm-hmm. very attainable ideas mm-hmm. if we have mm-hmm. the courage to fight for them. And if we have Absolutely. the courage to stand up to some of these big money and special interest groups and mm-hmm. stand with the people, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. These are not hard. Some of these ideas, you know, some of them are complex, but thankfully we're the United States of America and we have access to the most brilliant minds in the world. So we can solve these problems. We just have to want to solve them. Well said. I mean, if we can put a man on the moon, we can guarantee health care, figure out how to guarantee health care to everybody yeah. as a human exactly. right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, a couple more questions here. Um, do you sure. think the fear of Trump is pushing voters to Biden and causing them yes. to overlook some of his weaknesses and overestimate <laughs> yes. his electability against Trump? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Yeah. I 100% do. And, you know, I don't want to presume to know... Um, you know, more than, you know, other, other folks or other people. But I think that is absolutely playing out. I certainly hear that in my district and we haven't even voted yet. You know, we're in New York. Um, and I look at Biden and, and like he was, he was a very good vice president, but I think he comes with a lot of baggage. Um, and I, I worry about him and we've seen him struggle in, in the debates, you know, against, um, the other democratic candidates, we've seen him struggle to put sentences together. And, um, I worry about what that's going to look like now. Look, Trump can't really put two sentences together sometimes either, (laughs) but, but unfortunately, um, he's trained America to expect that from him. Like the bar is much lower when we look at Trump. And so I think if we're going to present this person, this candidate who is supposed to not only beat Trump in an election, but kind of save our country and pull it back from from demise, right? I, I think the bar is going to be a little bit higher there. And I, I, I get, I'm a little bit nervous, frankly, about um, what how that plays out, if yeah. it does go that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's well said. Um, what have you learned about yourself in running for office? And what have you learned about America and this process of running for Congress? Yeah. Um, well, I learned about myself. I can do amazing things. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, we try to be really positive. I think, um, it, you know, running for office, it, it is, it's such a whirlwind. You know, I've run campaigns before mm-hmm. and it, ha- it it's, it, this is a completely different experience. You have some of your highest highs and your lowest lows in the same day. Um, you know, you could, something can happen yesterday and it feels like it was three weeks ago. Like just, that's the pace of the campaign. Um, but I've learned to, I think, uh, bounce back faster, you know, um, as I kind of talked about that a little bit earlier in, in terms of the grand scheme, right? We, we have to learn that we can't have everything right up front all the time. 
um, some things we have to cultivate, you know, like I speak to voters and, and they're Republicans sometimes. And, uh, you know, I'm running in the Democratic primary, but occasionally a Republican answers the door. We have been successful in flipping some and changing their party registration. Yes. But I, I know that, you know, maybe, th- maybe I can get them to vote for me in the general, right? And, and maybe I won't. And, and, but maybe I can get them to vote Democratic the next time around, right? So it's, it's understanding these kind of longer strategies and these longer term, um, plans. I mean, that, that's been, I think, a key learning for me. Um, I have been just so, I don't even want to say really surprised, but I've, I've been so overwhelmingly pleased with the amount of people that really do care. I think mm. under a, a Trump administration, sometimes we feel um, so hopeless. You know, it feels really dark. Mm-hmm. But I have had um, just so many amazing conversations. We have so many volunteers. We have people coming out from not only my district, but from other districts that want to come help. People that I didn't know before I started this process that now I consider really good friends. Um, and so that that has just just restoring my faith uh, in people and and you know that the collective power is just so much stronger. And I think that that is the way we win, right? W- whatever that means. But um, we have to bring the people together. So that has been, um, I guess like my personal learnings. Uh, what have I learned about America? Um, <laughs> y- you need a good PR firm. <laughs> <laughs> That's so well said. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, we have to, you know, the Democrats historically have been very bad at messaging. Yep. Um, and like, look, we've had the, I, you know, my, you know, personal favorites in the race were also um, Senator Sanders and Senator Warren. Yep. Um, for a moderate candidate, I think maybe we could have chosen um, a little stronger. I think, unfortunately, we saw um, some women exit the race earlier because, you know, they couldn't raise enough money, um, which is just so unfortunate. It's another reason why I think it's, you know, really underscores why we need public financed elections. Yes, thank um, you. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just, just looking at how that plays out, like how we, how, how did we start with the most diverse lineup of candidates in America's history? And then we ended up, uh, you know, with, with Joe Biden. I don't understand that. Um, you know, because I think like, I know Bernie sometimes gets, uh, looped into that lack of diversity, white man in his type, but let's not forget he is a Jewish candidate. Yep. And I think having a progressive candidate is, um, not typical, right? So I, I, he gets diversity points there. Um, but we had all these amazing women, um, that should really have had a bigger voice. Um, I'm, I'm sad that, you know, Elizabeth Warren's campaign didn't take off. Um, I, I also really like Kristen Gillibrand and she, you know, she kind of, um, I don't, I'm not sure if you got to know her at all, but, uh, no. she's always been a, she's you should check it she's my state senator she mm. was running earlier on and she has always been a fierce fighter for women uh and the lgbtq community so i have tremendous respect for her even kamala harris you know yeah. i know she had a couple bumps in the road but she's a, an amazingly strong candidate um and i think what it comes down to is like that pr that breakthrough unfortunately so much of it is about the media there's so much of a role to play and it's figuring out how we make that process a little more fair. How do we level that playing field when, when, you know, particularly um, women or people of color are up against such tremendous barriers to start with. Right. So that, that was a good learning for me. Well, one of the ways we break through the corporate media barriers to have independent media, like our podcast. And that's why I use my (laughs) podcast to have people like you on. And, you know, I, I have, I have a rule that I, I, I love having people uh, that are running for Congress on the show, but mm-hmm. because cable news gives such an outlet for the moderates, I only have mm-hmm. progressives that come on my, my podcast. You know, I want this Thank platform you. to be for people who are out there fighting for Medicare for all and who are fighting for, you know, a living wage and fighting for a habitable planet for our future generations. You know, that's, yes. you know, that's how we fight back is by, by coming together. And, uh, right. you know, I, I have faith, you know, as progressive as I am, I know that no matter who our nominee is, that we will come together and beat Donald Trump and, and the general. I mean, he's just such a historically dangerous president. Not only is he lawless, he's incompetent. I mean, the way he's handled the coronavirus you know, I, I saw a poll yesterday that said 30% of people are less likely to vote for him in the way he's handled this. And, you know, I just think because, you know, there are certain lines that you can't cross. And 
And the public's health is one of them. And the way he's mm -hmm. just gaslit America and lied about the coronavirus from the beginning mm -hmm. and saying mm -hmm. it's the flu when it's not the flu, it's much worse right. than the flu. And, you know, right. it just it's things like that that remind us that like this president is incapable of leading this country. So although I am as progressive as can be and, and I want to bring as many people as possible into the progressive movement, um, you know, I'm going to support the nominee when all this is said and done. You know, of because course. I think that is what is going to give us the best chance to continue yes. to fight for progressive change. I will say yes. that if if someone like Biden becomes the nominee, he's going to ha there's still going to be a resistance like Absolutely. he's going to have to deal with, you know, the Sunrise Movement, you know, the the, mm -hmm. the young college kids who are fighting for a Green New Deal. And, and I'm still going to be pushing our party to be, you know, more progressive, you know, and that's still going to continue. But I think. For me, it's like at least he'll listen to us. Whereas with Trump, he doesn't care about us at all. Right, right, and I, I think that is absolutely right. Um, you know, it, and I and I think that's so important that message that we will, and of course that that's that's what we do, right? We will. We don't have to love it. It doesn't have to be our favorite candidate, but we are voting for so much more. You know, from Supreme Court picks to cabinet picks. Like look, like Trump has, as you know, he's gutted our State Department. He has put donors at the, at the helm of really important agencies, you know, folks that are not looking out, not doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. So, you know, any, any, like my husband always says a ham sandwich would be better than Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think that's important and that's exactly right. We don't go away. We continue to build because it starts in our communities, right? It's, it does start. I really believe it starts locally in our communities and that's how it grows and that's how we build support on a national level, yep. whether it's Biden or it's Sanders, we will continue to grow. We will continue to talk about our message. We will continue to win over people. And, and you know what, if, um, you know, and, and look, progressive policies pull overwhelmingly well in my district over 50%. It's, you know, quote unquote, used to be considered a blue, di uh, purple district. But the reality is my candidacy is going to change my district because we're reaching so many voters and we're yep. telling them about Medicare for all. Right. And that, that's how it starts. And yep. then it changes. And then we're going to get to a tipping point where there'd be such an overwhelming amount of Americans that are pushing for single payer that we'll get there. I hope it's sooner rather than later. Yep. But if it's not this election, then hopefully it's next election season. That's sort of mean we have to cultivate sometimes. Well said. And, you know, I like to look at things, you know, as passionate as we are, you know, progressives, we have all the passion and the energy in our party. But sometimes yes. passion can be a double edged sword. And mm -hmm. we can, you know, I have done it before where, you know, too much passion when we don't channel it into action and into the right places, mm -hmm. it, can, mm -hmm. it can work against us. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I see fellow activists, you know, tweet things like Bernie or bust, you know, mm -hmm. that is short sighted. That is not mm -hmm. going to that is not how we bring more people into the progressive movement, you know, by you right. know, as passionate as we are, we have to we have to get our message out to more people. We have to understand that politics is about addition, not subtraction. Mm -hmm. So when mm -hmm. we're saying things like, if Bernie's not the nominee, we won't vote for the for the Democratic nominee, that's not expanding our movement. That's mm -hmm. re that's retracting it. And so I just like to remind you know people that like let's understand that we wanna welcome as many people as possible into the Not Me Us movement and to really right. keep fighting for working people, but doing it in a way that doesn't you know, that they, they wants these more privileged people to come on in with us and join mm -hmm. in this fight so we can have mm -hmm. a more equitable America and a more mm -hmm. just America. Right. And I, and I think, you know, the important thing there to remember, though, right, certainly, um, look, you, you're always going to have some folks on every side, right? There, I'm sure there are Trump or bust folks as well. Um, what I try to do is I put myself in those those shoes, right? So what does that mean for that person? Well, mm. why is that person all so all in for Bernie or even so all in for Trump? And what I think is that they're so all in because they don't see a future yeah. another way. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's a lesson for all of us Agreed. to kind of sit with. Right. And, and because I think that's what helps us move toward actually, you know, an actual progressive, um, agenda yes. right if, if we know like those people like and like i don't know all of the people but i know many um hardcore center sanders supporters at least in my district some of them don't have homes some of them right. are you know yeah. struggling in debt and so this is the only future they see when you see a yep. president who's like drowning it was you know give me all the corporate money you know presidents like that or yep. candidates like that 
they don't think anything's going to change. So I think the lesson, you know, works both ways. And I think, you know, if we can understand that, hopefully we can create a better party. I'm really glad you said that because that is really well said that that it is the the people that are saying that it's because of the struggle. It's because right. they don't see a future and we need to, right. we need to fight for the future. We need, you know, yes. sometimes I think people don't realize that, you know, they say, oh, it's so expensive, Medicare for all. It's so expensive, a Green New Deal. The cost of not fighting for our planet and the cost of not fighting for our people is even greater, right? Yes. To allow the climate crisis to continue to destroy us and to allow people to continue to go uninsured and underinsured especially right. now with things like the coronavirus out there. Absolutely. Like this is the time for us, yes, to come together in the general, no matter who wins the nomination, but to understand mm -hmm. that the fight for progressive change, like it doesn't stop. You know, I said to someone the other day who is very anti-Bernie and anti-progressive, I, I just said in a very nice way, like, look, I get it, but keep resisting Donald Trump and I'm going to support the nominee, but please, for me, just stop resisting the progress that we need for this country mm -hmm. and that we need for mm -hmm. future generations. I just wish right. people could see both sides. Um, Absolutely. We're, we're nearing the end, but I just uh, I want to make a call to action here at the end. Um, you know, like I said earlier, real change in America happens when we have leaders in Congress who put the interests of the people over the interests of the powerful. You, mm -hmm. Melanie, are one of those leaders. Uh, and why I'm so proud to support your campaign. So I want to ask all of our listeners right now to go to DerigoForCongress.com. That's D-A-R-R-I-G-O and then for F-O-R Congress.com and pitch in 20 bucks or however much you can to support Melanie's campaign so we can uh, send her uh, to Congress to, to fight for us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yes, and... Uh, uh, stay in touch and uh, you know thanks again for running and for all you're doing for your community thank you and thank you for um, you know uplifting progressive voices on your podcast I really enjoy it um, thank you so much for as, as as Elizabeth Warren always says thank you for being in this fight <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's important you know that we come together um, and that we make our connections so because I think you know you might retweet someone and then I might retweet someone and then it really yep. that really does help grow the movement you know it it's little, little actions like that so. and how can people follow you on Twitter I'm at Dorigo Melanie, so D-A-R-R-I-G-O-M-E-L-A-N-I-E. Awesome. And when I tweet out the podcast later today, I will uh, include your Twitter handle. Again, thanks, Thank Melanie, you. and have a great day. Thank you both so right. much. Have Th a wonderful day. Thanks, Melanie. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, she's great. She is. Yeah. Uh, so please go to uh, Dorigo for Congress. And yep. Pitch in five bucks, yep. 10 bucks, whatever, whatever you, can, you can. And let's continue get to get some progressives in there so we can get. And it's a district where it's a safe blue district. Yes. So we can put a progressive in yes, there. It's absolutely. not, we're not talking about, you know, Kristen Sinema in Arizona. Right. Where, you know, <laughs> this is one of those districts we can get progressive change in there. So absolutely. please. And, uh, uh, before we close out the show, yeah, got to tell you about Plexiderm. Uh huh. It's a lifesaver, especially since we're going on. I'm going on the road. That's right. You're going on tour. I'm. Yeah. I got some. He's going on a world tour. Yeah. My uh, last weekend, my my plane took off at at six a.m. So I was at the airport at four thirty. I had bags under my eyes like you wouldn't believe. Plexiderm saved my life. I bet. Yes. Uh, Plexiderm is a is a rapid reduction serum. You put a little bit of it under your eyes. Yep. It gets rid of the bags, yep. the wrinkles, the crow's feet. The crow's feet. Crow's feet fly south for the winter. <laughs> fly south for the winter. Yeah. Like those Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The snowbirds. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so go to tryplexiderm.com and use my code Voices for fifty percent off plus an additional ten dollars off. That's right, fifty percent off plus an extra ten dollars off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code VOICES. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use code VOICES at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com, code VOICES. All right, well, thanks for listening to an all new ep uh, another episode of Amped Up with Proud Resistor. We'll catch you ne next week and have a great weekend, everybody. Bye.